Hello, Awesomers. It is me, it's your old buddy, Steve Simonson, and we are back for our final part of the Founder Foundation series today. It's part number 31 uh, of a 31-day-in-a-row gift to you, my friends, my entrepreneurs, my fellow uh, leaders who want to get their business better, frankly, and they want to create a better business. Uh, we've gone through some of the big picture stuff, the macro stuff about getting your your house in order and getting yourself oriented the right direction vis-a-vis uh, -vis your personal why and your company strategic objective. We've talked about the marketing foundations. Uh, we've talked about some of the management foundations most recently and some of the finance foundations sandwiched in the middle. So today's episode is a final piece, although there's more to management than this, but this is the last one I'm uh, sharing, is how we manage our time for the win. So we call it time management for the win. It's kind of like you're on a game show. Uh, we already talked about how you have your own time management, and we encourage you to do an audit of your time. And this is a great opportunity for you to take that audit of your time and now make it actionable. Uh, you likely already found things you wanted to eliminate or otherwise modify in your schedule as a result of that audit. For me, the time audit, because I did it minute by minute, I literally hand wrote it down minute by minute what I was doing, taking calls, going to the bathroom, uh, driving, recording a podcast, you know, on a Zoom, in a meeting, whatever it was. I'm like everything for my entire day for an entire week. And then I had... Uh, an assistant go through and put all of that stuff into uh, a, basically an Excel sheet so I could make some pivot tables out of it. And I had already categorized on my sheet what category that work would fall into, you know, what, whether it was entrepreneurial work, whether it was managerial work, or whether it was uh, technician level work, right? Tactical, as I like to call it. And, and you know, the, the truth is I was doing a bunch of stuff that I shouldn't have been doing. <laughs> ah, surprise. And it's not just as simple as going, well, I'm not going to do that anymore. Uh, some of it is just behavior driven. So we have to modify our behavior. So over time, not immediately, but over time, I was able to move to a, a system of controlling my time that was much more oriented to my likes and dislikes. And I'm going to share a little bit about that with me and also uh, an example, perhaps, or at least get into the concept of how this same concept applies to your team. You getting your time optimized and, and you're going to use you know time blocking is what I would recommend. That will greatly help you become a better leader and become a better entrepreneur, assuming you're at the, the ownership level. But if you're an executive or one of the key leaders in an entrepreneurial organization, you need to be a better leader. And the same concept of time blocking is highly, highly relevant. The higher up your uh, share of work is in the entrepreneurial section or the management section, the more time blocking really does make sense. And along the way, by the way, I've left so many breadcrumbs for you all through this. Having an, a BDM is a core uh, I don't know, uh, benefit of getting your time management done right. Because instead of having all these random ad hoc inquiries and meetings and phone calls and whatever else with your team, 
most of that stuff will start just falling into one day a week, 30 minutes, you know, that's what I schedule. And you just bebop right through the list. It really synthesizes and clarifies for everybody what we need to be focused on. And it eliminates the, you know, kind of long stream. I, I remember literally people lined up outside my door waiting in line to come and give me whatever problem they have so that I could, you know, the Mr. Wizard solve the problem. And by the way, I did that for a long time because I thought I was the only one who could solve those problems. And this is what we call a permission-based problem. And this is the, the most extreme example of terrible time management, right? I would show up uh, on a day, let's just say it was a, a Wednesday for the sake of discussion. And you know, at some point somebody would wander by, you know, hey, good morning, da, 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 you know, a little socialization. And then, you know, hey, I, I've got this problem. And of course, now I'm like, I'm in happy land, right? My dopamine's off and running. It's like, oh, you got a problem. I am a good problem solver. Let me get into it. And we would talk about that problem. And then I'd notice there's other people out the door. So I'd have to wrap that up. And it's like, hey, uh, whoever's next, come on in. And the next person would come in. And they got another problem. And so dopamine is running high. And I'm like, hey, here's what I would do. And I'm like, you know, um, an old time cowboy just, you know, zinging down these uh, problems one after another. I'm, uh, as usual, mixing metaphors. I got cowboys and firefighters and all these different things happening. But the point is, I this open door policy, which I thought was a smart management thing, was idiotic. I was doing a disservice to myself and a disservice to every one of those people. And one of my board members at the time made me aware of this when I said, gosh, I don't feel like I get very much done in a day. And, you know, because they would start asking strategic level questions and like, hey, what, what's our plan for next quarter? What do we? And I'm like, who's got time to think about the future? Are you kidding me? I'm, I'm barely keeping my breath day to day. And if you feel like that, you have this problem too. So to be able to step back and take a breath, you have to remove the permission-based problem of just saying, come to me with your problems. And the number one step for that, as I've shared in the past, is start when somebody presents a problem to you, simply ask them, what do you think we should do? And as long as they tell you something that's not some show-stopping, company-killing idea, just say, go ahead and try that and let me know how it goes. Right, it's that simple. They bring you a problem. You say, "What do you think we should do about it?" They tell you what you they think you know was a good idea, um, and then you say, "All right, go go try that out. Let me know how it goes." Period. Now, by the way, if they don't come with a solution to that problem, you send them away and say, "Come back when you have an idea how we solve this." Again, you're not taking that problem on board. Don't keep you know, jumping these monkeys from them to you. And uh, then you're in constant, you know, kind of monkey work. So that's that's time management tip number one. Don't create your own permission-based problems. But the, the next time management tool that I have found most effective is blocking your time. And by blocking, I mean setting up your week in different blocks of activities and really having it on your calendar just like this. So as an example, just a, a quick and easy example, Mondays are my big meeting days. So my calendar is just stacked top to bottom with, with meetings, with different business units and department heads and, and 
you know, leaders of those businesses. And I go through the day and I meet with them and I ask them questions. And, you know, we have a BDM and we have BDM uh, systems. So we just pull up the BDM. We go through it. We document everything. We can comment, tag, leave notes. Like it's all very simple to document. I've used the the word, you know, you should document this and you should write this down and you should, you know, make a system out of it so many times in this uh, Founder Foundation series. But the truth is, it should be really easy to do. It should require very, very little effort for you. And if you don't have a system that allows that, you should get one. And uh, ah, here's a little plug. Uh, go check out parsimony.com that has many of these systems already built in. My point is that by having... Your, my time blocked off for Monday. I know what's up on Mondays. Now, I'll just tell you, there are some Mondays I'm flying on an airplane. Now, in general, I honestly try to avoid travel days being Mondays so that I can maintain that rigorous uh, check-in with all the different business units and leadership members. But sometimes, inevitably, things happen and, uh, you know, Bob's your uncle, I'm traveling. So we just skip that week. Right. And that's that's OK. There's no panic because we meet so often that there rarely is some sort of giant emergency that can't wait until one following week. That's the that's the benefit of having these these weekly uh, BDMs. So um, when when necessary, we skip them. And then, um, you know, uh, that's a travel day at that point. We don't make those meetings up. That's my main point. I want to be very clear with you. Just because you have this meeting set and it's weekly, if you have to miss one, you can't miss three in a row. That's that's not acceptable. So fix your calendar so you're not uh, doing that. But if you miss one from time to time, it's not that big a deal. Uh, that's not to say that we treat these without value. It's just you know recognizing that reality gets in the way. You know, one of your people might have a dentist appointment. They can't move, and you know it takes forever to get it. And they didn't think about it being on a Monday. Uh, or maybe it's a dental emergency. Who knows? And they miss it. That's life. You just get them on the next week. And everything's documented and all the data is still there and it's all fine. So, again, blocking your time is useful. That's my Monday. Now, my Fridays, for the last couple of years, I block off my Fridays entirely. Nobody can touch my Friday. I don't want anybody on my calendar on Friday. And then I decide what, if anything, I'm going to do on Fridays. Um, sometimes I just decide I'm going to read or I'm going to uh, go for a drive or I'm going to listen to podcasts or I'm not going to work that day, right? That's that's my prerogative. And almost every weekend, well, for sure every weekend, there's no, no accessible calendar for anybody. And most of the time I'll try to take those weekends off. You know, doesn't mean I never have opened email or I never am on the system or never working on a weekend. It just means nobody in the company is going to be able to jump on my schedule um, on a weekend. So that's at least three days blocked off for me time. And you cannot undervalue what that is, everybody. You have to have some, some me time. So by the way, Tuesday morning, I have a follow-up accessible um, block of time for external meetings. So on Monday, if something happens to get uh, free, then then on my Calendly, people will be able to see any open time I have on a Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday. But on Mondays, it's it's limited based on only what I have available, you know, based on my meeting marathon. 
On Tuesdays, it's typically a half a day block on Tuesday, and then it's a quarter day block on Wednesday. And really, my objective is like, I don't want that many people interrupting my time. So my Tuesday is, you know, some block for meetings, but most of the block is for me to go validate what I heard on Monday. So on Mondays, I'm having these meetings. We're having a lot of discussions. I'm looking at KPIs, looking at performance. And if I have questions like, gosh, this is going really well. Why are we selling more than we, we expected to? I want to go dive into the system and start running reports or start investigating what, you know, what those results are based on, whether it's positive or negative. I still want to know why. And I, again, this is a block of time. So let's say Tuesday afternoon, that block of time is, again, kind of uh, report validation, uh, question and answer, mostly me independently going in and diving in and trying to figure out answers. And if I can't, then I'm creating tasks for people to produce additional data and information for me so that I can uh, further analyze that. If you don't understand how things work in your business, you have, well, you're, you're playing at a disadvantage to your competition. You as uh, a leader in your business, whether you're the entrepreneur owner or a, a key leader, you have to understand how different levers in your business impact you. And if you like, oh, well, we had sales are up 20%. We don't know why. That's not a good reason. You should find out why. Uh, I remember one time sales were up suddenly in one of our business units and we're like, we have no idea why this is happening. We just don't understand it. And it took me a couple of weeks to figure it out. And ultimately, we I think we established that some uh, influencer, or maybe it's our own video, but some video was now ranking like number one on YouTube for that that uh, particular keyword, which happened to be a, a big keyword for us. And then, so we tried to deduce, all right, well, that ranking drove a bunch more traffic, which drove a bunch more sales, but how did that ranking suddenly get so high that it was impactful? And I, I'm, I'm not sure if we ever got to the that answer per se, but the whole point is you wanna understand it to whatever level is reasonable and so that you can prevent problems and uh, you can double down on the good stuff. So that's my Tuesday. So I've told you my Monday is Marathon Monday, and I will do, you know, literally from like even 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. or 8 p.m. sometimes uh, meetings. I do put in a block so I can go uh, have a lunch or have a drive. I sometimes just have to clear my head. So there's probably a, a good hour in there that will uh, be free. And uh, frankly, with Retirement 2.0, I'll have a, a larger block of time in the middle of the day. So I'll do like a split shift morning. Uh, and afternoon where I, I meet with people. But a big part of my Mondays have just, just opened up, uh, which is great news for me. Now, uh, I've also explained Tuesday, right? We've got a morning block of meetings, uh, half a day, and then a, an analysis half a day. And then Wednesday is a quarter day block for meetings. This just makes sure that we I have some availability for team or external people who have my calendar link so they can get into my schedule. And then the rest of the day is for follow-ups on any of that analysis or further analysis. Uh, and then finally, Thursday is kind of like, um, just think of it like strategic free time. Like Thursday, I try to figure out where's the company going? Why are we doing this? Uh, are we on track? Are we happy? Are we sad? You know, what's working? What's not working? Big picture stuff. 
and this is largely unstructured time. So, you know, maybe I'm uh, studying some reports or maybe I'm watching a video um, like with geopolitics. That's been a, almost a daily part of my life for the last, you know, three or four years, certainly since the pandemic. Trying to figure out supply chain and impacts and things like that. And that remains not just incredibly important. It's impacting the entire world and it will continue to for well, forever, for sure. But disruption-wise, it's it's clear that it's, you know, at least another 6, 12, 18, 24 months of kind of weird, annoying disruptions based on everything from a strike to, you know, crazy COVID policies here or there uh, to other random supply chain gaps due to, you know, weird wars or other things. And all of these things matter if you're in the a product-based business. So, some of my Thursdays are real deep dives into, you know, what's happening in China and, you know, how, how can we get Vietnam to overcome this particular thing? And why can't India do this or that? Um, you know, this port that they're trying to build is being blocked by locals, like trying to figure out all how all this stuff fits together. That's big picture stuff that uh, a CEO is supposed to do. And each CEO out there, anybody who's the leader of their organization, you have your own big picture work that you should have time for. Simply being in the office and having that line of people out in front of your door every day is not good quality work for the entrepreneurial leader. And as you move into management, you should also have time to make sure that you can review what's the status of my team? How happy are we with our objectives? Can we push ourselves harder? Or maybe is this objective not feasible for next quarter? We need to push back you know, on upper management against it. You have to have some time in your time blocks for this, uh, you know, strategic level work. And then I've already told you about Friday. So now that's that's my week block of time. And that's, you know, that has worked for me. Um, and it's it's evolved over time, right? It didn't start like that 15 years ago. And then I just used it ever since. And it evolves, you know, based on, you know, your day-to-day -day responsibilities. Uh, when you first start out, you're doing a lot more of that tactical level work. But the blocking system still works. Uh, so that that works for many, certainly many people in leadership, including uh, entrepreneur business owners. Now let's talk about uh, somebody who's doing, you know, the technical level work or tactical work, as I enjoy saying. Uh, the great news is with a, a solid group of SOPs, their life gets real easy, real fast. And so, especially if they have kind of more repetitive work, you can simply make a checklist of SOPs that's like your Monday morning block. You, you know, in fact, you can do it around break times. So let's say that, you know, uh, somebody's going to work an eight-hour day. They got an hour lunch in between. So that means they got two blocks of four hours that they're working. And they work the first two-hour block. Let's make that a checklist. And this checklist should encompass these SOPs on a Monday. And then the next, let's call it, you know, uh, Monday. So Monday AM slot one is checklist. You know, that's the checklist. Monday AM slot two is the checklist. Then Monday PM slot one checklist. Monday PM slot two checklist. Like that, it can be that clear. And your team member can jump in there and then go right down those checklists. And they should be very close uh, to the appropriate timing. If they end up done early, they move farther on their checklists. And then they can, you know, raise their hand and go, hey, um, I've got time to do other stuff. You know, what would you like me to work on? 
that's okay too. And by the way, the best people always go, uh, I need more work. Please give me more work. It's <laughs> ironically for me, it's always been um, difficult to keep the best people super busy. And those people are also incredibly unhappy when you tell them, ah, just take it easy, you know, till tomorrow, you know, get on your next chess checklist. They want to do stuff. They want to make an impact. And it's uh, kind of incumbent upon us to give the best people who are, you know, in that mindset, um, powerful, impactful things they can do. They want to make a difference in your business. So, you know, that Monday checklist can, that same process of breaking the day parts can work on a Tuesday and it can work on a Wednesday and a Thursday and a Friday. And now you've got, a you know, essentially a 40 hour work week of checklists that they can go through and just accomplish those checklists. Remember that SOPs, so a checklist is a series of SOPs, and they may not need to read the SOP and go through because they remember how to do this particular job. But the SOP should be accessible and nearby if they need to click on it and view it, right? So a uh, little plug here, sopbox.co, you can see how we manage our SOPs. They're super easy. They slide out of any browser window. They're always accessible. And the same thing goes with checklists. They can just go right down the list, check them off. And the best news is, from a management perspective, we can run reports on you know, how, what the length of time is they spent on each of those checklist tasks. And so you can see, did somebody just show up you know, at one time during the day and in three minutes click all the buttons and then disappear, implying that they didn't actually do the work? Or did they actually you know, do it uh, according to a normal rhythm? Uh, you can also add in some tasks, you know, report uploads or screenshots or other things that would demonstrate completion of a of a task if you felt that that a validation point was needed. the The great news again, though, is with technology and the ability to manage remote staffs, our life is far, far easier and far, far better than it you know was ten or fifteen years ago. Uh, it really gives us some unique opportunities to, you know, make a big difference. So when, when I, by the way, one other little side effect of having a good time management system is you you can kind of see somebody's calendar. So uh, when we use our system and this, I think applies to ClickUp or Trello or Asana, when you're assigning tasks and you're putting deadlines, they can see when a task begins and when a task ends. And if they have too many tasks during that particular time, don't be unreasonable. Give them some time. And either you have to push some of those tasks that exist or you have to wait until after those tasks are complete before you add on more work. And again, most calendaring systems, you're able to visually see a calendar. This is certainly true in, uh, in parsimony, largely task-related. I'm not sure how the checklist uh, look on that calendar uh, off the top of my head mostly because I don't have any checklists I have to do, so it's not on my calendar. Uh, that's a little confession. Uh, but the whole point is when you look at a teammate's calendar and they are being overwhelmed by tasks or by you uh, being unreasonable, the, we got to check ourselves and we got to figure out you know, what is sustainable, what's reasonable. Remember that you know, there's some ways of improving the efficiency of work or automating aspects of that work but there's actual just realities of raw time. Like I go here and I open this document and then I have to do these tasks and that's going to take me 15 minutes 
And on my best day, it might take me 13 minutes, but it still takes me time. So if you give me 20 of those to do in a day, we got a problem, right? Because that, that's more uh, minutes than I may have in a day. And by the way, I'm not doing the minute math. So if that's under a work day, then uh, forgive me. Philosophically, my friends, that's what I'm trying to trying to get across to you, that we have to calibrate work that is long-term sustainable and that people can do. People in bursts and in sprints can do a little bit more and they can you know, push a little bit harder. But for the long-term, they have to have some reasonable level of output. And if you need more output, that means you have to go back and engineer the systems differently and look for opportunities to uh, well, first of all, you look for the opportunity to eliminate it. Do we even need to do this? Sometimes stuff we used to do exists because we used to do it. And then you ask, who's using this report? Who's looking at this? Does this matter? And at some point, somebody goes, no, what? nobody's using this. Stop doing it, right? And you, I, I use the example of lawmakers. In every country, this is applicable. I'll use the United States as my example. Every state... Uh, at the state level, at the local level, at the federal level, all they do is write more laws, right? They're lawmakers. They're not law deleters. So they just keep making more and more laws, more and more rules. Many of those that are still on the books are nonsense old rules that no longer make any sense for that particular governmental organization. The same is quite true in your company. If you're not taking out processes or tasks that are no longer relevant or critical to your business, then you're not doing a good job of, you know, uh, being respectful of your, your own uh, team's time and outputs. It, it just makes sense to be efficient. So your, your first challenge, can we eliminate this? Do we actually have to do this? The next is no, we got to have it. So how can we automate this or how can we get some other form of input that would be easier on our people to produce? Ideally, with you know no no human touch, the system just emails this report or um, you know notifies you this report's available and you can link to you know uh, the the report or some combination of you know reduction of tasks required plus automation plus a, a higher leverage of the person's time that can engender more um, efficiency. But simply saying work harder, faster, longer. Uh, is not a sustainable management practice. And uh, I know there's the whole hustle and grind culture and blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, ordinary people can produce or extraordinary results only with a system. That's the leverage, not by beating them and and sucking their life force from them. You you want people who are energetic and happy to show up and and engaged, as we've talked about in the past. And you get that by having good solid systems and great delegations where they they're very clear on what their responsibilities are and ultimately that leads into you know sufficient reporting so that everybody goes yep it's everything's working all systems are green and that's that's how we think about it in our companies is when everything's operating great and it's all kind of within the norms there's not a great need to have a bunch of conversations right we call it you know, everything's good, everything's green. And then when you get something red, the, the first thing is like, all right, what systemically is happening? Uh, and then it's like a handle with human situation. I need to get in there and I need to figure this thing out. And these are 
basically that's the formula for managing by exception. You're only having to jump in on problems, things that are outside the, the parameters of normal. That's when managers, you know, have to apply a little bit more brain power. Otherwise it's just kind of monitoring like the giant control panel. You know, imagine you're at a, a giant power plant. If all the, all the lights are green, you're mostly just, uh, you know, having a little coffee and thinking about the big picture uh, but the moment a light turns red, you're like, oh, hang on. Uh, I need to get on red alert here and see what's going on. Whether that's a positive alert or a negative alert is quite irrelevant. It's it's about the management, understanding, and control of whatever that uh, issue was. All right. So I think that that gives a little bit of the philosophy about how you need to create management systems around time, whether it's time blocking or checklist management or you know, eliminating the open door principles. All of these things are really important for time, not just for yourself as an individual, but for your organization. Like this is a system for managing time. Figure out what system applies to what position and then give them the freedom to you know, enforce that system. In other words, if you are calling them on a Saturday night to tell them to do something, you're the a-hole, right? There's the uh, Reddit um, chain of, you know, who's the a-hole? Well, you're the a-hole if you're calling them on a Saturday and it's not a show-stopping emergency. So that's the little caveat there. If I have to call somebody and it's on their off time, it's only because it's a show-stopping bug, right? Let, let's uh, give you a couple examples. I call a, an engineer because a web service is down on a, you know, let's say the carts can't check out. I need their help. And I apologize that it's on the weekend, but the system's broken. It's a show stopping bug. Please help me. Uh, again, I'm sorry it's on your off time. Uh, another example might be, you know, I'm giving a speech tomorrow and all that. The speech materials are supposed to be in my Dropbox folder. They're not there. Um, it's your off time, but uh, it's my go time. I please need your help. I'm sorry to bother you. We'll talk later in our BDM about why this wasn't in the place that I thought it should be at the time I thought it should be there. That's a BDM conversation for later, but right now I got a showstopper. Please help me. Uh, there are other examples, obviously, uh, that, that I could give, um, but I think you guys get the gist. So time is, you know, such a precious commodity. It's, it's, as I have said in the past, it's something you can't buy more of for yourself unless you're hiring people to do the job for you so that you can now apply your time elsewhere. That's the closest way that you can buy time. And so you're actually buying other people's time to substitute for you doing those things. That is a power move. And I certainly recommend uh, getting a good team to help you. And now's a good time for me to talk about the things we have not covered, right? We, we've gone through uh, a 31-part series. That's my gift to you, everybody. It, you can decide if the gift was valuable or it was like a an old pair of socks to you. Um, I hope you leave some comments and leave us uh, some feedback so that we know if this is worth it to you, because it'll really dictate whether we do this thing or not, or if we uh, choose to do any master classes, if, if these things have value, uh, or any any other methods of trying to reach out to entrepreneurs. Like, we either, if what we say has no value to you, tell us. Uh, we'll we'll take it, and we'll we'll understand. But on the other hand, if you do value it, then let us know that too. And if it, especially if it has value, uh, leave the review and, and share it with your friends so that we can get some feedback. 
So as I said, we have only gotten about, I don't know, two thirds of the way through the management module, right? Remember the premise of this 31 days is I'm showing you the first 31, uh, what, what would they be considered? Uh, components of our leadership training. But there are, I, I don't even know how many, you know, well over hundred components. And, you know, things about, HR and, you know, more about, you know, how you fulfill products and how you get operational performance and five-star service and, you know, critical systems uh, review and, you know, time and motion studies, how you focus on conversion and, you know, how you, what's your lead generation concepts and how do you bring those programs to life? You know, that's more advanced marketing, uh, getting deeper and deeper into leadership. Uh, both for the entrepreneur and for the, the key senior team. And then, you know, uh, there's HR, right? Now, how are we recruiting? How are we hiring? Uh, what are the scaling objectives that we have? And, and how do we put systems in place to scale? How do we do financial forecasting? How do we make sure that we're forecasting our, our inventory and our um, cash flow and all this other stuff? Because getting paid matters and cash flow is king, right? All of these things are relevant. Uh, we get into things like, you know, how do you raise working capital and, you know, what does advanced project and task management look like so that you can really drive an organization forward? How do you set your company up for growth? You know, what does what growth marketing even look like? And in a digital world, how do you deploy more growth assets without, you know, uh, quintupling your, your marketing budget? Uh, you know, what is the process of experimenting, validating, and then scaling? Right. As I like to say, first you nail it and then you scale it. Uh, then getting into, you know, how, how can you do more wow fulfillment concepts? What are the faster ways you can do things? You know, both it's easy to go, well, I just use Amazon and they have next day air or they have same day delivery or whatever. Fair enough. But, you know, between Shopify and deliver or maybe your service business and you could deliver your results faster than the competition for less money. Wouldn't that be a, a, a growth driver? Uh, start thinking about conversion in a very, very advanced way. Most of everything we've done so far is kind of 101 level, base level stuff. Getting into higher and higher levels of advancement when we start thinking about, you know, lead gen objectives and growth marketing and, you know, being very strategic in that marketing. All of that comes into, you know, channel selection and, and messaging and and almost a process of like, we're going to experiment. We're going to optimize. We're going to find what wins. We're going to kill the losers and and expand on the winners. Like all of that, um, you know. You know. At, by this time, by the way, I'm just reading through our list. You know, you're down to, you know, component 112 uh, of the uh, course. Uh, you've got more marketing. You've got more leadership. You got more branding. All of this is now at scale, right? Now you're, you know, you should be a 10 million plus business probably to start thinking about a lot of this stuff you're, where you're starting to look at supplier scorecards and you're looking at, you know, how you acquire customers and, and kind of building your own scorecard. Are we on the right track? You're doing productivity management where you're really getting into the deep, deep depths of maximizing productivity within your company. Uh, this is where, you know, our business intelligence unit would come in and, and start supplying reports and performance data People love scorecards. I mean, believe it or not, all you have to do is show people the score and they will 
start falling in love with performance because they want that number to go higher or lower, depending on which way is positive. Uh, and then on and on, you know, about, you know, managing and uh, having, you know, having the way of performing at a high, high level. Like all of this stuff is really, really important. But, you know, you're, you're talking about 150 plus components and we've only covered 31. And that's just the nature of business, right? There's always more to learn. So my, my hope for you guys is that you, again, find value in this. Um, like, subscribe, share, do all those things. And let's see if we this thing amplifies itself. And uh, because I have never done any promotion or any focus on awesomers as a as a platform, this will be a good test for us to see if it has value to you guys. Because if it doesn't, fair enough, no problem. I don't have to waste my breath. Uh, but if it does, then we need to figure out ways of helping the community. And we'll do, you know, awesomers will kind of remain as is probably. But Catalyst 88 is taking on some of the um, uh, leadership uh, training and some of the things that I think need to be need to be uh, worked on, particularly as I'm in retirement 2.0. I have more time to figure out how I want to calibrate uh, my network impact objectives. So anyway, everybody, I really appreciate you. I thank you for your time. And, and uh, if you've made it this far, you know, you are a champion awesomer without a doubt. And I can't wait to see you at the top.